All right, everybody, welcome back to Reclaim the Present podcast. <clears throat> I have Jen with us this morning. Good morning. And we had to bring him back. Ted Welsh, he is a longstanding therapist of mine, very knowledgeable when it when it comes to things psychological, things things about life. Uh, if you haven't checked out his previous podcast that we did with him, highly recommend it. We kind of break down what it, you know, what his experience was like uh, working with me in the beginning and what my experience was working with him. And uh, today I just want to welcome him, welcome him back to the show. Good morning, Ted. Morning. Glad to be here. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that I was really excited to dig into today. Um, I don't know how much you're hearing about this seemingly global health, mental health pandemic that that we're supposedly in. I don't want to feed into propaganda or anything like that, but it does seem that there are more people that are anxious than ever before. And Man, I, I really wanted to to tap into anxiety if that's okay. Yeah, I, I'd be I'd be happy to do that. Um I guess as a as sort of a qualifier, I want to just say to which I say to you all the time, but to to anybody that might be listening to this, that what what I'm about to share are my views, they're my opinions. Um I, I do I do read a lot of things. I do research stuff, um, and then I have experiential. Uh, I have experiences with people, and I and I get to see how people move through things. So that is what's what is foundational to what I'm about to say. But this is my view, mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily um, the mainstream view you know, or, or, um, maybe what somebody else might find that's helpful to them. So take it for what it's worth and it can be a starting point for people. That's the way I would like to say. Absolutely. You know, as a qualifier before we start. Yeah. 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 So if, if we're talking about anxiety, man, it's like all over the place. People, it's, it's sort of like the word, you know, and, and, and so if, if we were going to start talking about this, I just, you know, just take for a second, just kind of think to yourself, well, okay, what is it like if I've got, what does it mean if I've got anxiety? You know, what do you think of when you, when you, when somebody says that, geez, I've got anxiety or I'm anxious, you know, what goes through your mind? Just take a second to think about that. And then, and then what if, instead of think, looking at it that way, what would happen if you said to yourself, you know, what I've got is a miscalibrated alarm system. My, my alarm system is just not calibrating correctly, you know, if it's going off too much or if it's going off too hard. I mean, those are two different thoughts, right? I mean, they're really, it's it's almost like you're saying to yourself, well, I've got this thing and it's anxiety and, whoa, you know, compared to, yeah, my alarm system's going off a lot, <laughs> you know. It's, yeah, it's and it's going off hard, mm -hmm. and and so um, in my field, 
in in the in the medical world there's there's a family of anxiety diagnoses you know there's generalized anxiety there's panic disorder there's phobias um and then there's uh obsessive compulsive disorder ocd and there's and there's post traumatic stress disorder which is a is in a is in the anxiety family mm-hmm. it also can cause post-traumatic stress disorder can also cause what's commonly known as depression as well. But those are, those are some of what's thrown into this. And then people have, you know, some people have psychotic breaks, but probably you could say it's just an acute, acute, acute case of anxiety, maybe, you know? So that's how the field looks at all this stuff. And, and what actually is going on is, in my view now, this is my view, is somebody's alarm system is really firing. And maybe it's, maybe it's firing almost all the time um, due, to, due to different things. Or maybe there's certain things that really cause it to to pound out, you know, like a phobia, like, like I'm afraid of this, or I, you know, I can't do that as soon as that happens. But what's happening is internally, the body is sending messages to the brain saying, we, this isn't right. This there's danger here. You know, there's a problem here. And, um, it goes up to the brain and and the brain then um, is 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 kind of trying to figure out what to do about this to keep us in a better place. And if you think about if you think about an alarm system, like if you think about just like a smoke alarm, for example, the first thing is a smoke alarm. When it goes off, you are like it's very uncomfortable. The sound is like nerve wracking and it's hard to think about anything else but i gotta stop that or i gotta i gotta deal with whatever this reason this thing is is going off and a, and a smoke alarm is a wonderful thing because there's only two variables smoke and the setting and it goes off when there's too much smoke and you can turn it off and then it's it's done but our alarm system the human alarm system is is taken in it's it's got to work for everything that's going on around us you know so it's got to work for it's got to work for fire but it's also working for all kinds of other things physical threats um you know i mean it's just like a myriad of variables and then unlike the smoke alarm it's calibrated to go off at different levels depending on the danger right so, you know, it's a wonderful system. And then when we're born, this system sort of adapts to the environment. So, you know, like we, we live here in the middle of the United States, but if, if we lived in the Amazon or if we lived in the Antarctic, 
we would we would really our, our alarm system would calibrate to those kinds that that kind of a thing and then you know we, we calibrate to different things and and it's like if you live in the city if you live in the in the city of chicago you know you're calibrated to all the things that are involved in city living whereas if you live on a farm in seneca you know you're it's a different set of things that you're really focusing on and that and that's how the design is but then human existence happens and everybody's everybody's alarm system is constantly calibrating and, and constantly assessing stuff and it's going off and it's when it's going off because maybe I'm in an abusive relationship maybe a car almost hit me you know Maybe, I don't know, it could be any, our alarm system is recalibrating and refiguring stuff out. And sometimes it's a very catastrophic thing, like being in a hurricane, let's say, or, or you know, being in a, in a battle in a war, almost dying in a car crash, or it can be several things happening over and over and over again. But our 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 body is sending these messages and our brain is recalibrating what to do how how much the alarm should go off and how sensitive it should get and so i i see people come in and um it's it's always different it's always different now there are things that that seem very, you know, could be very common, you know, but um, because each person is having these this internal alarm system go off, their reaction is different. And so, how 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 whatever it what does it take then to help a person? work with their own alarm system it's just it's i mean when you think about it jay it's it's gotta it's it's crazy Mm -hmm. you know it's and it's not i mean there are there are things that seem to work to help but if the goal is to actually help a person kind of be able to regulate that or to recalibrate what's going on inside of them. It's a, it's kind of a unique thing. It's kind of a unique experience that a person, um, there has to be moments or there has to be different things maybe that come together in moments. That's probably a better way to say it that allow the person to make, to take these steps. I mean, I, I, I don't want to bring you you into this as you but no please by all means but i I do think that you have spent you have really searched to find help and you've really looked in a lot of places and so if i if i said to you just as an example you know deep breathing can help oh my god you you research deep breathing and you were doing that thing with that guy that 
I forget his, I forget who. What, uh, Wim Hof? Yes. And, and, and it was great, you know, because you were learning everything you could about deep breathing and you were trying it. You were not only learning about it, you were trying it. But the goal, the goal was to find out a way so that you're, you know, in the moment of a, of, of when you would have, you know, what the book says is anxiety <laughs> or what I'm describing as your alarm system is going off and it's not, it's, it's just not helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's either going off too hard or too often or something. You, you know, the goal was to try to be able to be more in charge of that or to recalibrate that to a place where it wasn't so, it, it, it just would take your, like, like a fire alarm, it would just make it impossible for you to think or to do whatever it is you wanted to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's the, in my mind, that's the goal. And I, and I think a lot, you know, I think my field tries very hard to help people with this and there's, and there's things that can help, but it's like, okay, how do we want to help? You know? So, you know, medication, for an example, medication um, will, uh, you, you can you can take certain medications that will cause a person's alarm system to be not so, uh, you know, so, so strong, so powerful that it, that it just completely overwhelms them. But there's there's things that go along with those medications depending on which one we're talking about so for you know some people are prescribed very small doses of valium for example because they get their alarm system is firing so hard that they just can't even hardly function you yeah. know and that i i have people that i work with where it takes where they take it as needed because it's a you know it's it's a habit forming drug but there are times where that helps them function. You mm-hmm. know, it allows them to function would be a better way to say, mm-hmm. because otherwise they're just, they're just, it's really hard to focus because that alarm system is just completely overwhelming. them. Then there's, you know, there's other medications that people take that aren't quite like Valium, but they also do that. And even some antidepressants are used um, to treat what I'm calling an overactive alarm system and somebody else might say is anxiety, right? Just to, just to tie this together with the audience, you know, I don't know if anybody has seen that movie back to the future and, you know, Marty comes into, to doc's room, doc's doc's house. And basically there was a message that was saying, Hey, everything is crazy electrically charged, you know, be careful with if if you if you use any of the instruments in the house and Marty walks up and he plugs in his his guitar and he cranks up the volume you know he he cranks up this stereo system and he and he plays one string on the guitar and it blows him across the room yeah and that is <clears throat> to there, yeah to me that's the definition of that or that's that's that image when you're talking about the body that has calibrated 
at such a high dial of self-preservation that it, it, it really can render us unfunctional. Yeah. But I have a question. Yeah. Now, are, are there, are there two kinds of anxiety? I've, I've read some books. I've talked to individuals that have said that there's imagined anxiety. In other words, something, you know, the brain gets so much in a self-preservation overload that it's, it is coming from the front of the brain where it's like, did I shut the stove off? Did I shut the gas off? And a person can go on a full, full blown attack or it's the, the back of the brain where it's like, okay, this actually happened. And this is something that is similar to what has happened. So can there be the two at the same time? See, that's it. Now there, that's a, that is a great question. And now I'm going to, share a thought that this is just my thought mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. and and this is this is what i think today and my guess is that there will be better answers for this because there's better ways to actually get a picture of what the brain is doing at a given moment but um the way i the way i would the way i would think about this and i could be wrong jay when i'm about to say but what we're seeing when we see a person um who is who who is saying you know did i shut the stove off i gotta go check i gotta go check i gotta go check we're seeing a process that is in response to uh some stimulation going to the brain and it's a person's it's sort of like a person's um it's it's the symptoms of this alarm system it's not i i'm saying i believe in my opinion it's it's not the alarm system it's a symptom of the alarm system okay so so you know when a person has a panic attack um, and they can't breathe, you know, and it, yeah. I mean, it's like there, there, that is a, that's still the alarm system. It's just, that's gone to this place. And that's what we see are the symptoms of that. And I, and I, th- I believe that this thing that we're kind of, we're talking about a person having sort of this obsession is like a, like a, a, a symptom of, the fact that their alarm system is on and they're trying to figure out a way to shut it off and they can't really do it. Got it. So it's like a, it's like a byproduct of the bigger picture. That's what I think. Now, now um, there probably are people that are studying this right now that might have a different, you know, they might be, be um, actually doing experiments to, to ch- check this out. And it could very well be that it's um, more of what you're asking the question about, which is maybe the back of the brain and the front of the brain are creating two different types of alarm system problems. Okay. And if that's the case, then I retract everything I said. I I was wrong. And I I hope I didn't lead somebody down the wrong path. But, um, but I do think that at its core, the brain 
is both the front and the back, you know, and it's and it's getting these messages from the body. And the body is saying, we got a major problem here. It's 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 dangerous and you need to know. And then that's what's that's what's happening. So so now with with that in consideration, can are people feeding their anxiety and they don't even realize it? Can you feed anxiety? I guess is the first question. And then the secondary question is, are people feeding their anxiety and making it worse? Okay. Um, the, the very first thing I want to say, the, the reason that I even, that I try to describe it the, the way that I describe it, is because I think that as soon as you you say you got anxiety to somebody, there's a risk that that's going to up the, anxiety. <laughs> the alarm system. Right. You know, it's going to be like, oh shit! I got, now there's really something wrong with it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's like okay, so their alarm system's already going off. And I don't want to be more alarming. You know, that's the first, that's the, you know, I, I don't want to, because the more that it's on, the harder it is then to be able to be able to regulate it from the standpoint of, I want to get it. I want to rein this in a little bit. I want to recalibrate it because I don't think some of these things that are making my alarm system go off are actually um, that alarming. I don't want to be that impacted by that. So there's the first thing is that. And then the second thing is um, the part I'm good. I'm going to kind of differentiate between the brain and the mind. Yeah. Okay. The brain is like, a computer that has never even been developed yet. It is so incredible, but it's more like a computer. You know, it's, it's like, you got to punch the keys and, and then it will do its thing. It can tell you if your toe hurts, how does it know? Because a nerve way down there sends up a message. And unless that message gets through, you don't know your toe hurts. It's got to happen up here. I mean, okay. this thing is incredibly cool, but it's a tool. And and you, Jay, are your mind. I, Ted, am my mind. Jen is her mind. And your mind is in the brain, but it's you. It's your, your awareness. It's whatever you got going on, okay? So <clears throat> if I'm – this is a long way of me getting back to your question, but if I – get anxious about something mm-hmm. or if I, my alarm system goes off and I go, Oh my God, you know, did I lock the door at the office or I don't know, whatever it would be you yeah. know, like that. I, what did, what did I just do? You know? And then I go, uh, don't worry about that. My brain doesn't know the difference between do and don't. The thought entered my mind Office door, 
potentially unlocked worry. Worry. And so I say, don't think about that the door might be unlocked. Well, my brain, the computer, is doing its thing <laughs> on the door. Yeah. Did I do it? Didn't I do it? I, you know. And so it is very, very easy. And and it's it's sort of like it just happens that we we sort of ramp up this alarm system mm-hmm. because intuitively we say, okay, don't think about that. But the very process of saying don't and combining it with think about that means our brain's on it. Our brain is on that thing. And so that's, that's not going to help you. That's why half the techniques that are out there right now involve distractions. Mm-hmm. Because it, because you're trying to get your brain onto a different thing, and our brains, you know, like that's what's so cool about a brain. A brain, our brains have like twenty thoughts going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, but I'm I'm thinking about the fact that I'm going to play golf later, and um, you know, I mean, I'm doing all this stuff, like, yeah. right? I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner. The thought occurs to me that I got a itch on my ankle. I mean, it's unbelievable. Our brain has all these thoughts, but which ones are the ones we focus on a lot of times have to do with the alarm system. Mm. And so, and so if you've got a person who is, uh, let's just, let's just, let's just talk about it in two different ways. If I've got a person that has experienced some type of trauma, then they're going to have triggers. Yeah. And they're going to have things that if these, if their minds just rolling along, having a great day, I'm going to get a milkshake, you know, I got to go see this person, I got to interview at three, and then all of a sudden they see um, something that reminds themselves has a little bit to do with the, the, the trauma, boom. They're on that and they're on it in a big way. And the alarm system goes off. Right. And then there are some people in a different way, in a totally different way. Their, their thing is they're just like always half on. They're always half like, I wonder what I should be worried about now. Mm. You know, I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if when I drive down to the grocery store, if there's going to be some nut driving, you know, or I and, and all they're getting ready to do is go to the grocery store. Um, and their their alarm system, for whatever reason, is sort of like half ready to go all the time. And then you combine the two of those, and, and you got a person who's it's really hard for them to do anything but think about the alarm going off because that alarm is attention grabbing, it's uncomfortable, and you want it to stop. But also it, it makes sense because it was created as a, it was created in our bodies as a self-preservation tool. It's it's absolutely keeps us safe. And so here's this thing. And that's the thing about it. Like and so, I you know, when I talk to people so often. I'll have them say to me. You know, I just I, like I know this doesn't make sense. 
But I got to tell you, when when this thing happens, I it's like there's nothing I can do about it. I can't get rid of this. And and so most people that come in, Jay, I would say over, well over 90% of the people, they just want it to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes they sense. Just want the, they, they want this feeling to stop because yeah. it's really, it's, it, it's very, it's nerve wracking and it's, and it's, uh, it's energy consuming and it, it's tiring. And so like most people are like, just help me get rid of this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't get rid of your alarm system. Right. You got to recalibrate it. I, I, mean, I love that. Same. Yeah. And so, and so we've got, a, that's where, that's where the, the work is. And like, um, I, I've, I've had it. I've had, I, I will tell you, I've had it go where I've worked with somebody who seems to have, you know, a, a problem and I'll use the, the brain lock method, which I think is a very good tool. It's designed by a guy by the name of Jeffrey Schwartz. It's a four-step process. And I've had it happen once or twice where I've explained that. We've done it a couple times and it's and it's worked for somebody. Cool. But most of the time, it's not like that. In fact, way more often than not. It's not that simple. It's, it's, it's a thing where a person has to do, there's different steps they have to do because their mind has to get wrap, wrap their head around this idea that there's a different way to go about this. We can't just stop it. We've got to, you know, I don't know if I'm making sense with that, but here, here's another example. I, I have a lot of people come in and, and we'll start talking about this and, and we'll go through what I've gone through today um, in depth over, you know, many times meeting. And usually they'll start to get it and they'll start to try to make changes and then they'll come in and they'll say, you know, if I, if my boss would just stop doing this thing, you know, or if my partner would quit screaming, or if my, you know, or if, um, or if this would happen, and it's all external stimuli mm-hmm. that's that's pushing this alarm system. Yeah, and the and the problem is, though we aren't gonna. There's no way that I know of to get the world to change. <laughs> yeah. So, to go back through and say, okay, everybody that Ted interacts with, including, you know, his wife, his kids, all these people, they're not going to do it. They're going to be them. That's who they're going to be. Well, and, and, and Ted, if, if I can interject on that point, that's one of the reasons like way, way back when I was like, I'm, I'm going to go away to a group home or I'm going to go away to this, yeah. this, this nature cabin, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that to decompress and reset. One of the things that you introduced to me and the reason why I didn't do it was because, okay, I understand the getaway. I understand everybody needs a getaway. 
and everybody needs time to rest and reset. But when we're talking about a situation where someone is trying to recalibrate and they go away and they go to a special place where they don't have their children, they don't have the life responsibilities that are coming at them, then they come back into that environment that they originally lost adaptation to. And it's like sucking through a fire hose on both ends. Yeah, it's it's not the recalibration to really be a recalibration. It needs to happen where your life is. And it's it's a tricky balance because that doesn't mean, okay, you know, I'm I'm going to put a person back in a hurricane. Right, right, right. You know, but but it does mean that it's in that area, it's in that place that a person has to be able to take this information that's flying into the brain from the body in real time and and find a way to be able to just uh you know kind of in a split second it's 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 instantaneous but to check it you know to and to say okay is this like we would always say defcon 5 yeah. or yeah yeah know, defcon 1 yeah right and and it's so hard to do that. Yeah. And and sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you got to do it. Um, unfortunately, sometimes you got to do it over and over in, in a little bit different situations. And um, it's boy, it's hard work. It's hard work, but it's, it's really, um, it's really unbelievably rewarding work for the person because if you can get that thing recalibrated a little bit, a bit, then all of a sudden, you know, it's not like all these things aren't still driving you nuts. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. They don't just go your away. Boss, your boss or your family or whatever, you know. But instead of it being so overwhelming and so uncomfortable and and so that it that it literally, you know, it causes certain sets of symptoms, right? Um, and, and and whatever those symptoms are, some people try to numb themselves with something. Some people are trying to think it through, think it through, think it through. And that usually leads to uh, sort of like a over-analysis and even obsessive thinking. Some people shut down, just like curl up in a ball. And then we call my field, we've got a name for everything. That's depression, you know? Some people get angry and they, you know, and, and, and they, they, they walk into the fire, this, this alarm system thing, and they want to attack it. And, and, you know, they're thought of in this way. Well, this is all usually related to this alarm system is firing so hard and it's so all encompassing for the person and so uncomfortable that they feel like they've got to do something rather than to deal with whatever it is that's, you know, that's there to deal with. And, and let's face it, you know, sometimes in life, there's not an answer, right? right. I mean, you know, sometimes like I, sometimes dealing with it means 
I got to just shut the door and go for a walk because I can't fix this thing. But it's a different than way than one of the what you're dealing with when that alarm system is so loud and making so much noise that you can't think. Is anxiety a byproduct of stored trauma? Well, okay. Um, so I, I'm going to, you know, just because of the way we're talking about it today. Sure. Absolutely. Um, then I'm, I'm going to rephrase that. I want to make sure that I'm answering your question though, and not misinterpreting what your question is. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, is this, uh, alarm system that's kind of off or 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 too reactive <laughs> is that is that um is that directly correlated with stored trauma <laughs> right yep. and i and i would say i believe absolutely yes i would believe absolutely and um i would say also that it's it's quite possible that um, even for a person who is able to unpack the trauma, the stored trauma, they still could have some residual um, alarm system issues or anxiety that needs to be worked through. But the combination of those two things is um really really problematic yeah <laughs> I, I i don't know if i like is that what you were yes yeah, so absolutely you you hit the nail on the head and i i go back to the teaching that you shared with me where you use the brain as an example or the mind as an example of a muscle and when you were talking about the alarm center of my brain that it was like a bicep and the bicep got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the alarm center became like Arnold Schwarzenegger arms. Yeah. And it can, and it, and it can just keep growing and developing and that muscle can keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And just to, just to go back all, you know, all in the idea of self-preservation, Right. So if a person is exposed to um, trauma on a regular basis, mm -hmm. the potential for their alarm system to become incredibly powerful and strong and sensitive is huge. You know, so, you know, they talk about it. They talk about a, a, a person that, you know, like, in a bat in a battlefield that is exposed to trauma and well yeah but what if the guy what if that soldier is exposed to several battles on several battlefields and never unpacks that you know it's stored well uh, it's there's a strong likelihood that there's there's some there's a lot of uh there's significant thing going on 
for that person. Well, and we're, we're coming up on 4th of July and it's so interesting that showing patriotism and showing American pride, uh, for our nation's independence is one of the biggest triggers for the soldiers that fought for that independence and continued independence. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is all, and, and yeah. And that, so that's a, that's a very crazy, um, it's it's just really it's it's heartbreaking in a way you know but it's but I, now i go back to this and and you know it's heartbreaking that because, because let's go back just for a second um us most of the time a soldier is going to be at least 18 year old 18 years old and probably older. Mm-hmm. So, so their alarm system has already kind of, you know, been developed and formed. But one of the, the things about our alarm system that I tried to say in the very beginning, and I didn't say it very well is we're, we're kind of, we've got an alarm system, but it's, it becomes adapted to our environment which is this great thing, allows human beings to live all over the planet, right, and survive because it's self-preservation and this alarm system helps with that. Well, if you've got a child who is exposed to abuse, when their alarm system is not really, you know, it's, it's, it's in its infancy, you know, it's sort of being formed. Yeah then that alarm system is going to it, it's going to to grow and and become in this in this weird way and that i mean i i think it's under i believe it's it's uh underestimated what that does in the way that that affects that person's alarm system and the calibration then is, is even it's, it's, I mean, it's really difficult to help somebody who's been traumatized (laughs) because it's, it's so hard in that moment when that thing is like, we don't even have a fire alarm that makes that kind of noise. Right. That's the way I would say it. Like we've got a fire alarm and it's really terrible. And when mine goes off in my house, I can't think about anything but that fire alarm. But even my experience of that is not like somebody who's been traumatized. Mm-hmm. So you take that and what that's like for a soldier or a firefighter or a police officer, and God love them. I mean, those guys are out there. They're in the middle of it. Yeah. But a child, their alarm system hasn't even gotten a chance to, to, cut, to sprout yet. And it's already being manipulated by trauma. Do you see, do you see the difference that I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I do. And so then that child, you know, they're almost, they're not the way I would describe it. And again, this is me and this is my opinion, Jay, but they're, it's like, they're not trying to get back on the track like a soldier is. They're trying to find a track. Yeah. 
that just lost in the abyss. Yeah. Just completely lost in the abyss. So, so, so for those, for those people, it's there, there's challenges to all this. And I'm not trying to say this is worse than that. Cause that's that, what good does that do? Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I, but I am saying that, uh, childhood trauma is, is its own thing. Mm-hmm. And it, and it screws with an alarm system in a very, in a very, uh, bad way. So Ted, do you see, uh, kids who are like teens, adolescents, um, that, you know, didn't necessarily come from a background of trauma, but are still presenting with anxiety? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's, there, I think, uh, now I have to say, I, I don't wor- I, I'm old, <laughs> so I'm not working with kids near as much as I used sure. to. But, but I think there is in today's world, there is an uptick in, um, in kids having just not feeling, you know, fe- they're, they're feeling concerned and worried about things. And it's, it's got to do with all different kinds of, all different kinds of things. That in some ways, um, I don't think we've gotten a handle around yet. So just to give you an example, um, way back when, when I went to school, you, you, middle school is a tough time for kids. It's a time when you're, you know, you're, you're really want to be, you're trying to learn how to be, um, you know, who you are. You're kind of no longer, uh, you know that you're growing up and you're, you're trying to have a personal identity and you very much want to be part of a group. You know, you want to be accepted. You want to be, um, cared about and you want to be thought well of by your peers. So it's this crazy time and middle school, I think we all would agree is, is a tough time. Well, when I was growing up, we did that at school and we went home and there was one landline in the house and I, I didn't talk to, you know, 15 people after school. You know, I, I, I went, I dealt with what I dealt with. I was home. I had chores. We watched Bonanza or whatever we did. And, and, and then I went back to it the next day. I had a break from it, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and kids today go home and they eat dinner maybe with their folks and then the next thing you know, they're on their tablet or their phone or whatever, because they've got them when they're they're By the time they're 12 years old, everybody's got a phone just about. And they're still doing this stuff. They're still trying to be accepted, making fun of a friend, you know, going going through all these things. And they're also instead of instead of some adult, whether it's a, a parent or a teacher or a coach or a, or a, 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 a somebody, you know, like a, a youth leader at, at church or somewhere, they're getting their information from TikTok or, you know, or Snapchat or somewhere. And it might be good, but chances are it might be not good. And it creates these in these kids 
a real, it's a tough spot for them because they don't want to be running to their parents necessarily, but they don't really feel good about themselves. And they, and, and, and what they're getting is, is uh, it's really, it, it would cause me to be, if I was their age, it would cause me to be nervous about who I am and what I'm trying to do. So to answer your question, Jen, I, I think kids today are really challenged with this. Yeah. And I, um, I think in some ways, uh, as much, you know, parents are trying to be very involved and so all these activities that happen, you know, there's they're trying to have parental uh, monitoring, I guess you would say, on a on a sports team or in a theater group or wh- wherever wherever these kids are are getting together. But these kids are doing hours where there isn't much monitoring going on, and it a lot of times it's ugly when when you talk about your practice and working with anxious children, I I know that that's not something that, that you're involved with right now, but what is the, the youngest child that you've seen or you've studied with anxiety as a diagnosis? Well, I mean, I, I, parents, Every situation's different. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, parents, parents will request help for their kids when they're six or seven years old. You know, I mean, I, that, and I'm imagining that that's probably happening even earlier now, especially after, you know, um, the whole thing with the pandemic um created sort of a uh, this gap in the kids being able to be social with each other mm-hmm. and so um i think that 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 right now anyways that created its own set of um issues mm-hmm. um and so i i would guess although i don't have um you know, I don't have personal experience with it, that kids are being brought to counseling even at a younger, you know, younger, at younger ages. Yeah. And there's a, see, there's a problem. Um, at least this is me now. This is me talking about this. I had kids that would come to me who very much wanted to work on these issues with me. But I had kids who came to me because their parents said, I heard this guy was pretty good, so I want you to go see this guy. And those kids did not want to be there. And that's not, it's, that's, it's okay to give it some time to see if that's going to work. But if, if the person who's coming does not want to be there, there's, it's not, there's nothing, nothing's going to happen. I mean, I, I, it's just not. And that doesn't mean you don't try but I think you can tell relatively quickly if that's going to be helpful or not. So, you know, sometimes kids are taken because their parents see, they, they can see their kids are struggling and they're having a hard time themselves helping them through the struggle and they don't want them to struggle. 
So they take them somewhere, but it's tough if the kids don't want to be there. Do ancient, <laughs> ancient, do anxious parents create anxious children? Whoa, there's a great question. <laughs> I, you know, kids are unbelievably perceptive. So, um, I, I, I think of it this way, like if I'm with somebody that's important to me, that I care about, that I care about what they think and I'm old, <laughs> but if they're acting like I'm weird, I'm kind of doing a check on that. Like what, what's up with me? You know, like what's going on. And, um, if I'm around somebody that I care about, that's, acting even when they're trying to be you know like they're trying they're they're trying not to show it that has an effect on me so i wouldn't say that i guess i would i wouldn't say that anxious parents create anxious kids but the kids know something's up mm -hmm. and the kids also you know a, a child's world is sort of like this is me and I'm in it and this is all I see. So am I causing this, <laughs> you know, or am I, am I, am I doing something wrong or whatever? And then they're gonna, that's going to be like, what's going on. And, and they, they may, it's possible they will to use a big psych word, internalize this or, you know, have that be part of it. The other thing is kids, kids um, model, you know, the, the parents model behaviors that the kids pick up on. And so that's that's a thing, you know, I mean, and I don't say these things to, you know, Jay, to put pressure on parents. Because, you know, that's not good. Parents are under enough pressure. Right, right, I say, right. Oh, I, I say it only because, you know, the more that you can communicate with your kids and and. um kind of let them know, you know, dad's off today. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm having an off moment. Yeah. Don't take this personally or, or, you know, we got a problem. Here's the problem. This has to stop. You know I mean? So I, I'm, I don't want to get into parenting stuff, but anyways, you, you, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to be authentic and not pretend like you're, not angry when you are, but you're also trying to do it in a in the best manner that you can do it, I guess. Ted, that was like one of the greatest gifts I ever received from you in in a session with you. When because I, you know, I had constantly talked about, of course, anxiety, but worrying about, you know, based upon my past, like maybe potentially messing up my kids, you know, mm, yeah. and. That word transparency, you know, that is what you you used. And you said, you know, Jen, it's about transparency. It is about showing your kids, obviously managing your emotions, but showing your kids like, hey, I just need to take a minute. I love you. I'll be back in just a second. You know, having that clear, yeah. concise communication and then also saying like you are going to mess up like there's there's you're, you there's no idea is perfect. Right. So it's like you are yeah. going to mess up. So, okay, well, then let's have a plan for when we do mess up. And so then yeah. that is, it's the callback conversation. Like, 
shit could hit the fan, but everything can be righted by the callback conversation. And I can tell you that that changed everything for me as far as looking at the way that I was parenting. Yeah, that is so, I mean, that really captures it. It You you just probably said it way better than I did, (laughs) but that is so, you know, that's so important. And I think it's, you know, just thinking about to piggyback on what you just said, Jen, um, it's a real gift to a child to understand I can mess up. It doesn't mean I don't take, you know, I, I take responsibility for what I did, but I can, I can learn from this. I can grow from this because we are all messing up every day. And so we don't want to, you know, like it doesn't do a kid much good to think that mom or dad is like this perfect person that never messes up because then they can't, that there's no room for them to be a, a person, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think that's, that, that to me is really, uh, helpful, not just with raising kids, but in life you yeah. know, to say, you know, you know, half of, I don't learn that much from when I did everything right. I learn a lot from when I make a mistake, go back, try to figure out what happened and then move forward. So how do we, how can we, obviously we need to support ourselves, but you know, we were talking about children and, and teens and adolescents and, you know, you've got your high, high performing, high achieving, very self motivated type of child as well. And they seem to be presenting with a lot more anxiety. How can we support these kids? Um, so, um, well, I, I guess this is, that's a, that's a really, I think that's one of the top questions today. It may be the top question always. Um, I, it's important, you know, uh, in my mind, it goes back to a little bit to what we were just talking about. Um, today, in today's world, kids are, this is a generalization now, Jen, but mm-hmm. in today's world, you know, there's, there's sort of implied pressure, I would say, for kids to, um, be the best or be as, you know, to be really good and be really good at fill in the blank, baseball, school, you know, math class. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's this, and we, and to keep, you know, to, to keep kids busy and to keep them off their tablets and to hopefully help, help them develop good skills of thinking and learning to interact with others. We've got all these all these things that they do, but at the end of the day, in each one, there's this, there's this measurement of, okay, did you get three hits today in the baseball game? Did you get all A's? Did you, um, and then we clap. Hey, great job. You know, you were, wow. And so I believe, and this is really hard to do in today's world, but you want to, you're trying to promote a growth mindset instead of a, instead of a fixed mindset. And the beauty of that, you know, that comes from, um, 
Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, which is a, a great book for people to read um, that want to, that are talk, thinking about raising kids or, or just for themselves personally. It's, it gets back to what we were just talking about, which is in life, our brains aren't designed to be perfect. You know, we're, we're going to do something. Sometimes we're going to fall down. Sometimes we're going to succeed. But when we fall down, did we try? Did we give it a good effort? And if we gave it a good effort, what did we learn from that? How did we grow? Rather than the, the fixed mindset, which is, oh, I'm okay right now because I got an A. I got an A in biology class. So I'm okay. You know, and then what happens when you get a B? Well, I'm not so good anymore. Right. You know, all of a sudden. And then, and then that creates for this kid insecurity, um, a place of, oh, my God, does this mean from now on I'm not going to be good at biology because it's harder? So you, So what I think is a good thing for parents to do is to promote this growth mindset. Because whether your kid is, you know, doing well in this area of their life, there's also other areas of their life, and there's always going to be challenges that are going to be hard. And you want to just say, hey, if you gave it your best, best effort, that's good enough for me. What'd you learn? What can we take from this? Maybe your kid's not going to be an engineer or a doctor or, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. But maybe your kid's going to be learning and growing and finding their place, wherever that place is, and learning that they're good enough and they can be happy. And they can, you know, that doesn't mean they're always happy. They're still going to, but that's what life's about. So that's how, that that's the thing. And it's, it's sometimes, in some ways, I mean, there's challenges no matter where your kid's at. This the high functioning kids are striving to get that pat on the back all the time. And it's if you can find a way to say, you know what I loved about that was I know you tried. And what can we take from that? How can we get better? And let's call up uh your your friend and have them over and we'll do something else. You know what I mean? Not to don't it's good to acknowledge the success, but don't, don't make that the primary thing. Well, and one of the, I, this is more on the, an accident's going to happen or someone or something's out to get me or, you know, the idea of crashing in a plane or the, this is that thought process. One of the things that you really helped me with was being able to teach me about probability, being able to teach me about statistical um, analysis, you know, and it doesn't have to get deep. You don't have to go to stats college class, but the way that the way that you broke it down for me was, you know, Jay, you're anxious on about going on an airplane. Let's think about this. What are the chances? What is the probability of you crashing in an airplane. Yeah. And, you know, just getting my mind to think like that, I'll, I'll, I'll say really quick, 
my son got his hands on a, a preview of a movie. It was called Into the Storm. And you know, I I watched I watched this preview. Storm, you know, it starts out, it's a graduation ceremony. Everybody's happy. There's a little bit of clouds. And then all of a sudden the rain came. Then after the rain, the hail comes. Oh. Then the sirens come on, the tornado sirens. Mm-hmm. Then they show the, you know, the teachers, everybody in the school. Mm-hmm. And then they're, you know, these kids are in the, you know, the, everybody's in the, in the hallway. Then there's a tree that comes through the front door. Then the roof rips off. All these things are happening. And I mean, it's a very anxious, it, it's a very anxiety setting preview. Yeah. Well, my son has taken a liking to weather. Oh, uh-huh. he he likes the science behind it, so he wants to learn about tornadoes. He wants to learn about thunderstorms, yep. and you know, and it it's it's riding a line here because this stuff can produce anxiety. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you know, after I I saw that he went into this preview, I said, man. Hollywood did a great job, didn't they? Mm. And he said, well, what do you, what do you mean? I said, well, how old are you? And he goes, I'm five, I'm five and a half, dad. <laughs> I said, well, in the five and a half years that you've been on this earth, has that ever happened at your house or grandma's house or anywhere around you? Did the roof get ripped off? Did, did a tree come through the front door? And he goes, well, no, I said, well, that's why I said that Hollywood did a really good job because that's make-believe. Now these storms, they can be dangerous, but that's not the norm. That's something that happened and it, it it's something that we couldn't predict. And, you know, we try our best to predict these things, but this isn't happening in our neighborhood. This isn't happening right now. Mm-hmm. And for for a little while, he was on the track of, well, this is normal. This is reality. That was a tornado. Those people went through it. He wasn't able to discern and break yeah. down in his little mind that that was a movie and a, a well-done movie with the effects of the, the the great big tornado and all this stuff from real life. But, but the time that I was able to sit with him in the time that, you know, I'm not saying you're not allowed to, to watch those things. But what I am saying is buddy, that's pretty heavy for your mind. And I said, you know, it, you know what dad's job is dad's job is to protect your mind. Dad's job is to protect you until it's able to develop and grow. Yeah. And see, you took, I mean, you t- here's this little kid and you took this thing because this this kid's his alarm system is being calibrated right and you took the time to try to let it not get too far calibrated to a danger that that frankly it it, it is a real danger but 
the percentage chance of it happening aren't as large as if you see this trailer from the movie several times a day for a little while, the, the impact would be different for this child. Mm-hmm. So that, there's a there's a good example of it, and you and you were and you took you you were trying to find the way to help that not get cause miscalibration, right? Yeah, and that's and see that's the whole like all these things. Um, it's not it like it's really hard know what is going to be you you just don't know what's going to be helpful to a person and what's not once it's already become an issue mm-hmm. or th- then it's harder so that was to me that was a, a very very important moment you know and 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 the problem i i, I think the problem is that um, in my field, it's not. There's not always one way to do this, right? You know, there's not always one way to have. It's it's almost like there's a little bit of art involved in trying to f- say something that a person can take in that's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. As much as there's science involved. There's a lot of science involved. There's more science than art, but it's still, you know, this is a, this is not an easy thing. And so someone, this is why, again, when people hear the word anxiety, it's like, what's wrong with me? And, you know, why can't I get this? You know, why can't I stop this? Um, Compared to, if you say, well, your alarm system is just kind of going off. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a little different then, you know, that's maybe not for everybody, but for some people, then it's like, okay, I got it. This is where I got to do the work. You know, it's not like I'm flawed. And I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, that's huge because I remember when I was diagnosed with it and I I was kind of diagnosed with like generalized anxiety. Um, and this is kind of back at the very beginning of my uh, what I'll call healing therapy journey. And I was in complete denial of it. Like she was like, so, you know, for insurance purposes, we're just going to put that, you know, it, it's anxiety. We'll code it that way. And I remember arguing with her in my mind, like, well, that you can do whatever you need to do, but that's totally not me. Mm-hmm. And then like a couple of weeks later, I had, you know, gotten a hold of like some reading materials and stuff like that, that were a little bit more substantial. And I was like, Oh wow. Like, no, this is, this is me to a T. And so then at that point it started to become me being the, I don't know, disease, I guess, if you want to say, or, or whatever, like, well, this is just me. This is Jen. This is who Jen is. Yeah. Um, and then showing up in in that way in my daily activities, in my thoughts, in my life. And then it was like it took more time to figure out like, no, just like you said, like, no, this this isn't. This is just a miscalculation. This is my body. This is the alarms are going off, you know, because the other part that was super confusing to me is, you know, I had heard of triggers and I had heard of things like that. So I was always trying to unpack the trigger. 
And what I had mm-hmm. discovered at that point was that really what it was is that, or this is how I understood it, is that my stress response was so high that my body just decided at any point in time for kind of no particular reason at all to just throw me a ball of anxiety or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So I think it was really helpful with what you said as far as, you know, like kind of separating yourself and being able to think about it in the way of like, oh, no, this is just this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's a for you. That was it. And that's what I was trying to explain going into today so that anybody that's listening to this, they don't let this thing become them, you know become this, that I am this, and that's what I am. And um, so I'm really glad you, you shared that, Jen. That's that's the idea of this. Now, I will tell you, and this is why this is such a, you know, human human beings are just so unique, and it's, and it's what's so cool, but there are people who I've worked with over time who, when we've started to talk about these things, when when I did use a, a clinical term, you know, like PTSD, let's say, or whatever, then that actually was helpful to them because in that way they could say, oh, I've just got this. That doesn't mean that's me, you know. So it's different. It's It can be different for everybody. I just personally feel that right now today there's a lot of people that are susceptible to becoming um the illness to an extent that it that it just like if it's anxiety then okay what's the matter with me and it and it just it can be a a lot to get through so that's why i that's why i wanted to talk about it today with the like an alarm system because i to me that's what this is it's it's a beautiful thing our alarm system it's so complex and it's so cool that we can adjust it, you know, recalibrate it, unlike a fire, you know, a, a, a fire alarm. But it brings a lot with it, man. It brings <laughs> there's, there's some well, potential for trouble. One into your both of your points on this. Can you talk about the difficulty? You know, there's there's a lot of mindfulness conversations and I've, I've connected with some very strong mindfulness practitioners. I mean, some of them are are retired SEAL commanders for for Pete's sake. So, but when someone is in an anxious state and they're dealing with this this very high calibrated alarm system, how hard is it to go into a mindfulness practice? How hard is it to just stop what they're doing in that anxious state. And my argument to this is, does a little bit of proactivity with meditation, with mindfulness, with breathing ahead of time dull the, dull the anxiety response? Well, okay, that's a, that's a great couple of questions there. I know, sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. It's good. Um, the very the very. The very first thing, I mean, I hope you're okay with me saying this, but I, I, a, a little over, I think it was in the second year of me meeting with you. Yeah. 
I talk to you about a mindfulness exercise. <laughs> and y- your brain was firing so fast. I mean, it was impossible for you to slow down because thoughts were flying in and out and you were you were literally trying to focus on all of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. That a mindfulness exercise at that point was impossible. It was not going to happen. Yeah. And I believe, you know, in in my mind, in my opinion, your alarm system was on and it was trying to absorb any potential thing and and assess it for threat and as a result of that it just wasn't going to happen mm-hmm. okay so mindfulness is a wonderful thing you know um mindfulness is another word though it's it's like okay well what is mindfulness <laughs> and so you know you start to you think about that and you go oh that's this zen thing where we do you know cross our legs but I, I like to think of it as it's a it's a place where a person can, when possible, can be here, wherever here is, be now, meaning I'm not thinking about the future. I'm not trying to plan something which can lead to nervousness. And I'm not focusing on the past, which if it's not a good past is sad or depressing i'm here i'm now and i'm me and that can be a a place that is more uh balanced so that that's what i think of when, when i think of of mindfulness and there's a lot of ways to get there there are certainly great things that can happen when a person can sit in a chair, close their eyes, and focus on this exercise. But frankly, there's a lot of times when a person, especially a person that's dealing with all this stuff, that's just foreign. You know, it's just like I, it, the alarm's going off so loud. It'd be like me trying to sit here right now and do some mindfulness, some meditation, with the alarms, with the fire alarm firing above my head, it ain't going to freaking happen. <laughs> it's not, you know, so, so, um, you can find a mindfulness exercise by going outside and, and by yourself and in, in the right environment, just sitting, you can find, um, you can find a mindfulness experience, certainly by doing an exercise if it's capable, but you can find it in a in a place that for you is relatively calm sometimes. You can find, some people find mindfulness in doing yoga um, or, or some, or walking. It doesn't have to be a mindfulness exercise. Um, the, the second, and I'm going back to what I thought was the second part of your question, Jay, which was, you know, can a person, something along the lines of, can I, can I uh, 
get in a better place by being proactive. Yeah, being proactive, doing doing yoga, doing something different with the diet, or doing some yes. meditations prior right. to these oncomings of anxiety. Yes, and so there is. There's. I think we always have to remember that our mind and body are so interconnected. They're interconnected through the brain. And by, by doing something, uh, by, by trying to do something, we have the potential to be able to, um, to, to understand and, and be proactive rather than reactive. And there's all kinds of things we can do to try to, to try to do that. So it can be a lifestyle, you know, it can be, how am I, what am I trying, you know, what am I trying to do um, that is going to help me as this, you know, as this thing shows up on the horizon, a certain lifestyle is, you know, that that's, I mean, I, I'm just going to say healthier is probably helpful. Like it's much harder if you've got a hangover or you just, you know, you, 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 you've been eating fast food for the last week to deal with a big problem because your body and especially your brain is not, it it's not at its optimum resource level. And if you're, if you're, um, if you, if you're doing some kind of exercise every day or every other day, you're breaking down amino acids that allow other amino acids that are that are brain uh, brain resources. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like a a little workout or a, or going for a walk is using up things in the body that then leaves space for good things for your brain to do. Now, it's not going to make a huge difference. So, you know, you, you might say to yourself, oh, geez, I just walked two miles. So Ted said that was a great idea, and I still have big problems. <laughs> well, that's true. But I'm just saying it is it is setting the stage for a better place. Whereas if you if you just went out and had, you know, fast food and, you know, drank the night before and you're faced with that problem, it's not going to be quite as easy to deal with it because you're, you're, you're just not at your optimum game. Mm. Which I just, I just think there's a lot of hope that comes with that sentence, you know, and a little bit of proactivity, a little bit of adjustments can make it just a little bit better to make it just a little bit more livable. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not a light, it's not a life sentence. Yeah. I, I mean, so just to give you an example, um, and I don't know if it's a good example, but it, it popped into my head. I, I've got a person I'm, that I've I've worked with, and um, for this person, it, it's it's just hard for him to wrap his head around the fact that he's going to counseling. You know, so we kind of put our heads together, and for for him working out and and um and he's got and and i'm not this is not me trying to promote i really want to make sure people don't take the wrong impression of this i am not here to promote 
religion or not promote religion. You know, I've got no interest in trying to do that. But for this person, his belief system is faith-based. And so he, we got a workout regimen and then some things that he could do that really kind of got the ball rolling for him thinking about, you know, being able to access his, his faith in certain ways. And that's his, that's his healthy way, you know, because this person has an inordinate amount of stress in his life. There's, there's factors there that are unchangeable. They are unchangeable. And he knows that. And I know that. And so, you know, if your stress level is like, and it's going to stay there for a year or whatever, then what are we going to do to try to help you deal with it? Yeah. You know, and there's, and I got to tell you, Jay, and you know, this there's, there's people that are in that, Yeah. you know, and, and I, it breaks, it, it breaks my heart that that's the way life is, but that's the way life is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think I, I really appreciate the way that you broke down anxiety in, in all the categories that encompass it, because it, it really, it's not a simplified diagnosis. So someone just watches the news or they watch the, you know, they watch something on TikTok or some other social media channel and they self-diagnose themselves. I'm an anxious person. I have this or I have this. They have no idea the level of complexity it takes to be able to have a proper diagnosis of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that's really true. And so, you know, again, I, I want to say to anybody that watched this, just because I say this doesn't mean it's true. But if this sparks you to look at it um, with a more uh, trying to be open minded to what this could be and how how you can look at it. So it's helpful for you or your loved ones or whoever it is. That's that's the right that's the right step. And um, the second thing is, don't be, for anybody that's dealing with this miscalibrated alarm system, just because if you really gave something a chance and it's not working, that doesn't mean you're really messed up. That means we got to, you got to find a different way to, to deal with this. And that's a possible thing. That's not an impossible thing. God, what a way to wrap this up. I love it so Jen, much. Jen, do, do you have anything? No, I, I was just, if I could add one more thing. Um, when I was at my highest levels, I would say, of anxiety, a lot of panic attacks and stuff like that, I went and actually got my blood levels and everything checked. And mm-hmm. I would just say for anybody who is kind of experiencing that more on the regs, um, get your vitamin B checked, your magnesium, your iron, yeah. and your thyroid. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean- there's so many different factors and variables involved in this, and it, it it's it's important to try to be open to all these avenues, and then you know give it give it a, a good shot, go with it, and then wherever you are after that, what do I take from this? How do I move forward? What's my next best step? Yeah, well, I this was 
absolutely informative to me. And, loved and, it. Yeah. Every single bit of it. Yeah, I, I loved it too. And I really appreciate you taking the time. And this, this there's probably going to be more conversations that pop up, Ted. Absolutely. Yeah. And I enjoyed it too. And and, th- and you guys brought stuff to me that sparked me to even think about this, you know, and try to think about this and, 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 and inform me, you know, help me. So thanks a million. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, this is this is Todd Walsh, runs a practice out in Plainfield. He's a PsyD, client-centered counseling out in Plainfield, Illinois. Check these guys out. Great group. Ted, thanks again so much. Thanks, Ted. Okay. We'll see you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to Reclaim the Present Podcast. Really appreciate you guys opening up your minds to this conversation. I absolutely have been reframing it myself. You know, I I know during this conversation that I mentioned the word anxiety quite a bit, but I did it because I wanted Ted to reaffirm that it's an alarm system and it's such a great way to look at it. So if your children's alarm system is going off, I hope you've found some ways that that you can calibrate it and turn it down. Um, You know, again, not every single option is going to be the perfect fit. But at least hopefully this conversation brought a little bit of hope to everybody. Thanks again. Bye for now.